Um, so this morning we talked about um, the bad theology that Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar gave. And, um, and again, like when we, are, when we are in trouble or when we're suffering, um, you really have to, you know, you really have to guard who you're around because uh, you're, you're, going to be, you're going to be getting a lot of input from a lot of different people who have no understanding of what you're going through. And, um, and so um, these men, these three men, um, you know, even though their theology was correct, it was improperly being applied. It wasn't applicable to Job's situation because they weren't thinking with God. You know, you have very meaningful people that, well-meaning people that um, want to give their input about things when you're suffering. But uh, you really have to ask God, like, is this God's mind? And, um, and then Elihu, the, the fourth man who comes up, uh, portrays God's... God's understanding, and this really is what changes a person's heart. And uh, I just want to read this verse in Psalm 34, verse 8, and it's a um, 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. And Job had a knowledge of God, but it was just knowledge. At the end of his trial, it became heart understanding or heart wisdom or heart love or heart. Before he heard with the hearing of his ear, and it was only head knowledge about God. But at the end of his trial, he had heart knowledge. He knew in his heart. Heart knowledge is that knowledge that is always on time in what it says. It's, it's, it's always in real time accurate where head knowledge is just theory and it doesn't necessarily apply to the situation. Mm-hmm. So um, here in this verse, we see that um, an example of heart knowledge, taste and see that the Lord is good. <clears throat> and there's a knowledge that only comes through testing. Uh, this one writer says, five seconds of honey on the tongue will show you more sweetness than 10 hours of lecture about the sweetness of honey. And that's the way it can be, really, in, in churches. And I think there's a lot of Christians today that have a lot of knowledge, good knowledge, but there's no tasting of the Lord. They really haven't tasted the Lord in personal experience. And uh, so when we taste and see that the Lord is good, and you know what, when we're in a trial, we're tasting the goodness of God. Eventually, we're going to taste the goodness of God. And uh, when you have that heart knowledge, it's hard to explain it to people. You just know. And taste and see that the Lord is good until God gives you a taste of his goodness. All the theology in the world will not give you a knowledge of his goodness that changes your heart and saves your soul. And so Job had a lot of good teaching, which he needed, because it guided him through the whole process. But when he understood at the end, he said, I saw, I heard with the hearing of my ears, but now I am seeing with the seeing of my eyes. He had a transformation in his life. And this is what Christianity is all about, whether I go to a mega church or I go to a church of 10 people. It's like this is what it's all about, is that I gain this knowledge of God through t- trials and temptation, and I know in real time what God is like. 
Job tasted and he saw that the Lord was good. Uh, Elihu, when he was finished speaking the truth to Job, Job said nothing. Only after God spoke in chapters 38 through 41 did Job say, I heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now I see with my eyes. In 42 verse 5. When God himself came to Job and spoke and took the initiative to make himself known to Job, Job tasted God and his eyes were open. And so um, this is what's really needed in our life. And I don't know how to, like, I can't say this enough, is that we need divine perspective. And that can only come from the Bible. And the big question, like what we were just saying a couple minutes ago, is the big question is, is, am I in my Bible? Am I reading my Bible? You know, my wife has like mm-hmm. a, every day she, there's a, there's a daily scripture to read your Bible through in a year, and she does this every day. And she's in the Bible every day. And if you're in the Bible, then you're going to, you're going to have a word and season for your situation. So, uh, this kind of heart knowledge is more than an intellectual or speculative it's more than speculative knowledge. It's a knowledge of the heart. <coughs> and uh, so when Job really comes to that point where he hears Elihu and then he hears God speak, Job says three things. And these are three great truths that really show us that something has happened in Job's life. In verse 2 of chapter 42, now let's read Job 42, 1 through 6. I got this new Bible. I'm just, I love just reading it. Job 42, verses 1 through 6. Job answered the Lord and said, I know you can do everything, and that no purpose of yours can be held with, from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, that which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you, and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself, or I humble myself, or I voluntarily just enter into humiliation and repent in the dust and ashes. And so what is what he's saying, three great things here. Hey, Candy. Hello. It started at 7, right? Yeah. Well, okay. yeah. You're just in time. We just started. So Job said three great truths. He said three great things. Number one, he said in verse 2 that God is absolutely sovereign. And this is a great truth. And we, know, we mentioned this this morning, that uh, God's sovereignty, that God is sovereign, and that, that he does what he wants to do. And, it, and it's not based on how I feel about it, but it's based on God's will. And we need to understand that God is sovereign. But when we think about that, we are tempted to think, well, I am nothing. God's sovereign. He's going to do what he wants to do, and I'm just going to get run over by the steamroller of God's plan. But it's not like that. We always have to remember that God's sovereign plan is based on what? What's it based on? Grace. Grace. That God is gracious. And that every act and everything that God allows in my life is to reveal something about God's plan. And that's God's grace, right? God's graciousness. God's grace. And so the second thing he confesses in verse 3 is that God's wisdom makes his own wisdom look like ignorance. Um, Job said, I have uttered that which I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, that which I did not know. And that's interesting because remember at the Mount Transfiguration, uh, Jesus is praying, 
And as he's praying to the Father, his, his clothes begin to shine and his garments begin to be white. And then he's actually, like, uh, the disciples see Jesus. They start seeing what he really is, like, in his, like his glory began to shine through his clothes. And it became a very glorious moment. And Jesus, at that moment, is talking with Moses and Elijah. And the disciples are watching this in amazement. They're like, wow, this is incredible. Like, you know, what an amazing event. And this is so holy and this is so amazing. And at the end, Peter, who he is always known for doing this, he says, let us build tabernacles here. Let's make a tabernacle, one for Moses and one for Elijah and one for Jesus. And we'll make this a holy spot and we'll, you know, and it's like, well, we're all like this. And, uh, but guess who's the head apostle? Not John, Peter. And there's something that Jesus liked about that, that, that Peter was all that he was all the time. He was just, you know, he either failed miserably, but he did with an open heart, or he, he did very good. And, and, and it's like Jesus loved that. But well, what did Jesus say? This is what God said. God interrupted Peter's religious initiative, and he said, this is my beloved son. Basically, be quiet and listen to him. Yeah. And I think that Job had that experience that Job starts talking and talking and talking like a human being, when as a human being we just need to get really quiet before God and not try to talk about things that we have no understanding about. Like, it's like your kid, you know, when you explain to them that they can't do something and they don't understand why they can't do it. And you can't explain it to them because they're just not at that age where they can understand why they can't do that. And so, yeah, and it's basically, you say, you cannot do that and stop asking me why. Eventually, you're going to know. And so this is what happened with Job. Job is like a little kid. He's like talking to God saying, you know, I'm a good person. Why did this happen to me? And, and this and this and this and these are all of his. And God had to basically say, Job, like... Did you create the stars? Did you create the animal kingdom? Did you create the world? Uh, And he basically, from chapter 38 to chapter 41, God is asking Job a lot of questions. He's saying, Job, are you God? And if you're God, then I can talk to you and tell you all these reasons, but you're not. So you have no way to bear them. So at this point, Job says, he says, I uttered that which I didn't understand, these things too wonderful for me which I did not know. And that's in verse 3. And that's the second great thing that Job said. The first thing was that Job understood God's sovereignty. And the second great thing that Job said was in verse 3, he said, I understood that I was saying things that I had no idea. I was trying to enter into a conversation with God on the infinite level when I'm a finite being. And all I can do is just study to be quiet and listen to God. And, And that was a big lesson for me the last few years that like, God would like to answer all our whys, but we can't receive the answer yet because we're finite. It's, yeah, like, it's, like, it's like talking to Einstein about a genius uh, formula on physics or calculus. Yeah. It's and it's like, Einstein, why is E equals MC squared? And, and Einstein says, I can't, you won't understand. But tell me. Yeah. Well, I want to know. I, I, it's it's such a big problem. And then, and then, and it's like Einstein would say, if I told you, you wouldn't be able to understand it. And because the, the wisdom and the information is too wonderful for you. So, so what, 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 what happened was, is that Job understood at this point that he needed to be quiet before God. 
The third thing is in verse 6. He confesses the truth that he is that he's guilty of despicable sin in questioning the ways of God. Um, Job says, I despise myself and repent. So basically what Job did was is he just humbled himself in great humility, and he just humbled himself. And so Job at this point is a broken person. He is broken. And Hey, how you doing? Oh, that's okay. You're right on time. We just started. So Job at this point is a broken person. And this is really the whole... This was the whole, um, this was the whole, uh, the whole purpose that God had in Job's life was that Job would come to the end of his own self-righteousness and come to a point where he was just broken. And um, was Job living in sin? No, he wasn't. He was a great man. God was boasting about Job in Job chapter 1. Was Job a person that was an evil person. No, he wasn't. But Job had a problem, and that was secretly, inside, he had a sense of self-righteousness. And so, there are things in our lives that don't appear to be wrong. We don't know. But when a trial comes, certain things come out of our... And God knows that they're there, and it takes a severe trial in our life to bring it out so God can heal it. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? God has to bring God has to bring a trial into our life. Why? Because He does not want you to be in bondage to that thing. Um, there are there are things that Job was in bondage to. One of them was just self justification. He was always justifying himself, like I'm right, and this is the reason why I'm right. I'm a good man. I, I always have made sacrifices for my sons and daughters if they just in case they sinned against the Lord, and he was always making his case to God. But God was saying, Job, you don't see this, and nobody else sees this, but hidden underneath all the layers of your, of you is an attitude. And you're in bondage to that attitude. And I need to set you free from that attitude. But it's going to take a pretty severe operation. It's going to take a real serious operation. And Job, I'm not going to even tell you why this is happening to you. I'm going to just tell you nothing. I'm just going to wait till it all comes out. And sometimes God just takes our soul, right? And suppose this was filled with something. And he just, he goes like this. He goes, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go like that. And you're going to be empty. Everything's going to be on the table. Everybody's going to see it. And your life for a season is going to be a mess. And it's not because I don't love you, God says, Job. I'm just saying, I want to get all of that out of you, out of your soul. You know how, you know, uh, I open my fridge and uh, no fault to Rose because she was watching our house. But I opened my fridge after not being there 18 days and noticed that there were some things in there that were fermenting, growing. growing. And I was like, wow, I wonder, you know, i never seen pickles that color before. And it's like, you know, you know, I have to, you have to clean that jar. I have to clean that jar. So I opened it, and whoa, that was like a very bad smell. And when I, sh- when I poured it out, it was like gunk on the bottom. And so I had to like... I had to like, you know, there had to be a real severe operation there. And so sometimes God will bring us into a very severe operation and there are things that he wants to set you and I free from, but we don't even see that. We don't see it. And we say, God, why are you doing this to me? And God's like saying, I wish I could tell you, but you're not going to understand even if I told you. Just hang on. And in the end, you're going to know. And it's all going to work out to good. 
and everything that the devil tried to that the devil thought he could steal from you I'm going to return two times more and so Job is now broken and uh, this is what really happens when we see God it happened to Isaiah Isaiah said woe is me for I am lost I am an, I am a man of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king the lord of hosts Isaiah 6:5 and then it also happened to Peter when Jesus showed him that miracle cast your net on the left on the right side of the boat and you will catch something and that happened and Peter was broken and he said depart from me for I'm a sinful man O Lord then it also happened to the centurion when Jesus came to his house in Luke 7 6 and he said Lord do not trouble yourself for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof so when we understand the power of God and his grace that's what breaks us that's what really breaks us you know life doesn't break people the grace of God does and Job is broken at the grace of God. And I think sometimes we say, well, when that person hits rock bottom and they have nowhere to look, then they're going to call out to God. Not necessarily, because there are people, a lot of people that hit rock bottom, and they're there, and they're staying there. Yeah. And they're more, they're, more, they're more and more angry at God and at people. And, and there's nothing that That's we can, right. there's nothing that, you know, yeah, they, God, yeah. they, they, what they need to do is, is look up to God and just, Look to his grace. So before Job saw God in this way, he esteemed himself somewhat really high, and he didn't hesitate to assert his self-righteousness. Now Job sees himself more clearly, and he sees what, what he sees really leads him to, to repentance. And the goodness of God always leads us to repentance in Romans 2, verse 4. Uh, Beating us up doesn't lead us to repentance. Yelling at people does not lead them to repentance. Uh, uh, punishing people with weird religious things does not lead people to repentance. It actually may push them away. Uh, there's three responses that people have generally to the law. When you lay down the law in someone's life and there's no investment of the love and the grace of God, they're going to respond in one of three ways. Number one, they're, gonna, they're, going, to, they're going to fight. Yep. <laughs> They're going to put up their dukes and they're going to say, you know what, I'm here to stay and I'm going to fight this out. And so that's one way that people deal with it. And the second way that people deal with it is that they run. They run away. And they just flee. You never see them again. Mm-hmm. You know, and they just take off. They, they can't deal with it and they leave. The third way that people deal with the law is they try to please the person laying down the law. And that never works because it's never good enough. So... Job didn't do any of these things. Job just surrendered to God and and just allowed God to break him. And maybe Job didn't get all of his answers. We don't see God answering Job's questions. <laughs> this is an amazing book. It's one of the most yeah. coolest books in the Bible because you don't see God answering Job's questions. Like, you know, why did this happen? And sometimes people come to me as a pastor and they say, why did this happen? Why did... And many, many, nine times out of ten, I don't have an answer. And the temptation as a pastor or any of us is to kind of think of an answer to try to answer people's question because you see them suffering and you want to ease their suffering by giving them like an intellectual answer, you know. But it doesn't help, you know, giving them an intellectual answer, um, you know, like by saying, you know what, hang in there, it's going to be, it's going to be better tomorrow. Well, it may not be better tomorrow. Actually, tomorrow may be even worse. And... So what we have to do is we just have to, in some cases, just be really quiet before God and let God speak. Mm. And uh, 
So there's two things that happen. Job is suffering, and there's two things that God wants to do during Job's suffering. Number one, God wants to put Job's friends to shame. Because all of Job's friends, as we talked about this morning, were giving him wrong, just wrong counsel, bad counsel. Um, Eliphaz said that uh, you're reaping what you're sowing. Um, uh, Bildad said uh, there's sin in your family. That's why you're being suffering. And then uh, Zophar said, Job, you're suffering because you're in sin. But none of these were, were God's perspective on the matter. And so God wants to first... Um, rebuke his friends and this happens in chapter 42 verses 7 through 9 and I think we're there right now Um, and so it was after the Lord had spoken these words to Job that the Lord said to Eliphaz my wrath is aroused against you and your two friends for you have not spoken of me what is right as my my servant Job has you know when people give us bad counsel that really hurts us, we never have to enter into a fight with them because God deals with people. Mm-hmm. And I think as a pastor sometimes, or as, and as a people, per people that invest in people, I think sometimes we get the attitude that we got to straighten people out. <laughs> you know, and I think a lot of times as a pastor, that pressure can be on a person saying, you know, like, I got to straighten these people out. And, you know, believe me, that sometimes is, you know, you know, the temptation, you know, because you're up there, everybody's listening to you, you got the mic, and no one's going to say anything, so, you know, what, you might as well just let everybody have it. But God works in a different way. Um, I mean, we as pastors need to teach, of course, teach the Word. But, but when someone gives us bad counsel and hurts us, then we can always trust that God's going to deal with people. You know, God will deal with people. And this is what God's doing now at the end of the story. We're seeing God deal with Job's friends. And verse 8, Now therefore take yourselves seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And what is he saying? He's saying there seven bulls, seven rams, in, in effect is basically saying seven speaking of the finished work, you guys, Job's friends were believers. You guys that gave bad counsel, go to Job and just um, ask for forgiveness. And just humble yourselves, bring a peace offering, and just ask for forgiveness. And my servant, will, my servant Job will pray for you, for I will accept him lest I deal with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. And so... They do this. They go, they bring an offering to Job, and and in verse 9, uh, for the Lord had accepted Job, and Job prays for them. Verse 10, Job, uh, the Lord restored Job's losses. Mm. And that's a beautiful word because I think in the King James it says something different, right? But losses is what the New King James says, and it's really, that's a good word because Losses means that the devil was given the opportunity to take some things from Job. But you know what? God restored Job's losses. Now, before we go any farther, at this point, God gives Job everything that he lost. He hasn't given him the double portion yet, but he's given Job everything that he lost. And when he prayed for his friends, indeed the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And so when did the double blessing come from Job? When he prayed for his friends. And so there's a, there's a great power in forgiveness, that when a brother comes to us and asks for forgiveness, and I say no, 
I am, I am, I am, I am blocking a blessing that's coming into my life, that 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 could come into my life if I forgive them. Um, the Lord restored, gave Job twice as much as he had before, and then all his brothers, all his sisters, and all those who had been his acquaintances before came to him and ate food with him in his house, and they consoled him or comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and a a ring of gold. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, which was double what he lost, 6,000 camels, which was double, 1,000 yoke of oxen, which is double, and 1,000 female donkeys, which is double. But look what happened. He did, did God double his sons and daughters? No, he, they, he gave them seven sons and three daughters, which was exactly what he lost. Why is that? I think it's because you can't, I think with kids you can't really, you know, one's enough. <laughs> you don't want double. I mean, double the trouble. No, but I think you can never really replace right. the value of one child. And, exactly. and he called the name of the first Jemimah, or Jemimah, the second, Keziah, and the name of the third, Karen Hapuk. In all the land there were, there were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years. Wow. So it's possible that Job lived an extra 140 years after all of this happened to him. And he saw his children and his grandchildren with four generations. Can you imagine seeing four generations? <laughs> Maybe some of us don't want to see that many kids. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Four generations. Your mother has seen four generations. Yes. So how many is that? That's Claire's seen. So it's a great-grandmother, right? Mm-hmm. Or a great-great-grandmother. Now, see, I'm third. I'm in the third generation. So great-grandmother is three. Yeah, great-grandmother. Now, say her, child, her grandchild uh, grows up and has a baby. Then I would be the fourth generation. Okay. Claire so f- was the fourth generation. She four generations. Isn't that amazing? I didn't and so look what it says here about Job. Job saw his... And the last verse of, of the book of Job says, And Job died old and full of days. And that's what I just want to... Um, I just want to finish this with this, that, that what is the great story of Job here? Is that the great point? The point of the book is that, number one that God didn't tell Job why he was going to suffer, mm. but Job went through it anyway. God was working something out of Job's life that he would not be in bondage to. And that's why calamity comes on us. So God is delivering us from things in our soul that we don't even know is there. And so Job at first didn't do well in the trial. And that's okay because a lot of times we don't do well in the beginning. Don't, we can't mm-hmm. condemn ourselves because when God starts doing a deep operation, we are human beings and we're going we're gonna to cry. We're gonna we're gonna make some noise, but in the end, um, God God confounds the bad counsel that his friends give him, which hurt Job. God converts Job and shows Job that uh, what is the error? Job Job is that now at this point, Job would not have been talking to God the way he was talking to God if there hadn't been the trial. God was provoking a reaction from Job that. Needed to be, that needed to come out. And then when God provoked that, that reaction from Job, God said, there it is. That's it. That's what I want to deal with. 
and it hasn't been. I have been able. I have not been able to deal with that until this situation brought it out. And when when it got when God when God shows Job his attitude, Job like says, "Oh," he said, "Wow, you know, I was proud, I was self-justifying, and uh, I was talking about things I had no idea what I was talking about." And so I humble myself, and then 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 after Job, guess what? Job at the end when he humbles himself, then God deals with Job's friends. You know, some, there, there's sometimes there are people in our life that really are giving us bad counsel, but God will deal with them when we get right. We just we just get right with God in our mental attitude, and then God deals with other people. God deals with that's why we never have to deal with people like and list our enemies. You know, I don't have a list of enemies. You know, I mean, are there, are there people that hurt us? Yeah, but it's like I, I don't live in that. I don't dwell on that. You know, I don't want to dwell on that. It's just, it just creates bad chemistry inside of you, and you get your stomach gets upset, and then you can't sleep. We don't need that. We we just we don't live with lists. We just say, God, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. I'm just committing that to you, mm-hmm. and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say, God, you know. Uh, I'm just gonna humble myself before God, as Job did, and then what does God do? God rebukes Job's friends. Then Job's friends come to Job and ask for forgiveness. And what does Job do? He says he, he, he prays for them. Same thing with Joseph. Remember Joseph? His, uh, another little story of Job we see in the life of jo- Joseph. And I'll just quickly say it. Joseph got a vision that one day all of his brethren would be bowing down to him. Mm. I think that Joseph was a little ambitious. <laughs> Joseph had a little sense of self-promotion. Like... <laughs> He, he saw that his father loved him, and he got the favorite kid complex that all the, all the brothers and sisters are going to worship me. Mm. And yes, it was a dream that he had, and actually it was going to happen, but not the way Joseph thought it was going to happen. And so Joseph tells his brothers, should have Joseph said that to his brothers? No, because his brothers had no capacity. <laughs> Joseph's brothers had no capacity to receive that. So. Right. Joseph tells his brother that, hey, one day, guys, you're going to all be bowing down to me. That really didn't help the brotherly relationship. <laughs> so his brothers get jealous. We know the story. They throw him in a pit. They want to kill him. Is that all part of God's plan? Yeah. yeah. And then they, yeah. Sell, then they sell him to the, to the Egyptian uh, slave traders. They bring him to Egypt, and then the process of God begins. Uh, jo- Joseph uh, winds up in jail 17, uh, 14 years <clears throat> He gets an opportunity to get out, when he, and he says to the baker and the butler, he, sa- he says, you know, he interprets his dream, and he says, by the way, put in a good word in for me f- to Pharaoh. And here again, Joseph is trying to exalt himself out of the situation. God says, no, you still got that self-promotion going on in your heart. You need to be in jail another, another period of time. So he's in jail for another period of time. And then finally gets worked out of jo- Joseph. Joseph gets to that place where he's next to Pharaoh, has like the, all the power of Pharaoh, and then God brings his brothers to him. And what does Joseph do? Joseph had the power to, to wipe out his brothers, but he didn't. He didn't. He, he said he saw a bigger plan. Joseph said, you know what? What you meant for evil, God meant for good to save many. And that's one of my favorite stories. Joseph really humbled himself and he said you know what there's something happening here that's bigger than me bigger than my my desires in this situation bigger than what i want to see happen um 
God wants to save many people. And so when Joseph's brothers came to him and asked for forgiveness, he, gave, he forgave them. And what happened? That's when God could bless the family. And that's when, that's when uh, the plan of God could be revealed. And, you know, it's hard for, some, for all of us to forgive people. But I've seen it happen in our church. When people forgive people, wow, it's healing. You know, it really heals, doesn't it? It just heals. And but sometimes when the person is saying that they forgive you and they heal you, but yet it's something they're hiding down inside to where every time you turn around, it's an argument and it's brought up, but nothing's brought up. They won't tell you what it is. Then what do you do? Yeah, well, you know, we don't, like we don't know, like, we don't know mm-hmm. what's happening deep down inside of people. I mean, I and went to the person and I asked them straight out, why can't we sit down and talk? You tell me what you what is bothering you, right off the bat, mm-hmm. and then let us see if we can't settle it. And if, if it, you know, but you know what? If it doesn't happen, you know, if it doesn't happen, I don't. I mean, we don't know everything that's going on in another person's right. life. We just pray for them, and we just mm-hmm. put ourselves in a place to say, you know what? You know, maybe I'm not seeing something. Uh, I'm just going to pray, and and if it's. And of course it's painful, but you know something, if we if we commit people to the Lord, then God deals with things. And and um it could be years I mean, like I know in my family that happened. There was uh there was a disagreement between two brothers, my grandfather and his brother. And um it's kind of a personal story. I and mean, I just you know Well that's why uh, I said I have the personal Yeah, but I, I I just want to say that like the falling out between two brothers ended up where Two parts of the family just started to develop, and the two parts of the family didn't even know each other. Right. And I didn't even know another part of my family. And but you know, after a gener- after the second generation, God did this amazing thing, and God brought us all together, and now we're together. But it took like an amazing work of God, and maybe it takes time. But but just like Job, you know, we we Job said, you know what, I I want to not try to assume the mind of God in the sense that I don't, I'm a finite person and I don't know everything. And what I think I know may actually be wrong because that happens a lot. And we just say, God, you know what? You teach me, you lead me. Uh, I got my side of the story. I got what I think is right, but you know, God sees the whole picture and we just have to trust the Lord and just look at God, you know, just look at him because he's the one who, who works it all out in the end. Really.